Hello, Recovering Perfectionist. It's Claire Barton here, and I'm joined by the gorgeous Julia Coronado, who is a speaker and an empowerment and accountability coach and a million other things. Hey, Julia, welcome to the show. Hello, how are you? I'm great. Wonderful to have you all the way from the US, feeling very international today. So thank you for joining us. Uh, Julia, I um, have come across you only very recently, and I absolutely love your message and your brand and your energy. So I'm going to hand over to you to tell us a little bit about you, um, a quick sneak peek into what you do and who you are and what your last little bit of the journey has been and all of that sort of thing before we get stuck into having a bit of a chat about all things recovering perfectionist and how that can affect your relationship with other people, your relationship with yourself, and obviously open up some doors to um, the business world and that sort of thing, because your journey sounds like it's encompassed all of those things. And I can't wait to um, chat about all of that, but tell us a bit about who you are and all of that sort of thing before we get stuck into it. Okay, sounds good. So to sum it up, an overview, it has been a journey. And sometimes when you see it, you're like, it is a hot mess. <laughs> but that is the beauty thing of the journey. So as a speaker, I have the platform and opportunity to reach lives and share my message. Um, share my mess, it has turned into my message. Yeah. And the, the accountability and the empowerment coach came in after I went through a really nasty divorce. I was married for 14 years. I have six children, which sometimes like is so surreal to me. And during that struggle, like there were some really dark days where I, as a woman, you know how you always expect the best of yourself and you're like, I should have done this better. I should have done that better. And all of these things that came up. And so once I came out of that, I always had the vision that someday I'm going to be helping people. I just didn't know what that looked like mm. and then once I came through my divorce people going through divorce or even a hard time in the relationship would reach out to me and say okay what is it that you did and then that just evolved into the coaching business so I empower and I assist women who have decided that staying in the same cycle doing the same thing they're doing is like the pain of being that is greater than any pain of changing mm. and just being open to the fact that I want something different. I don't feel like I'm in alignment. I feel stuck. I feel what, what can I do different because I just don't feel like I'm me anymore. Yeah. So, and that evolved into the divorce and domestic abuse. And I've become a trainer now for Shiro's United. Um, they are all about educating and empowering women and girls um, how to break the cycle of domestic violence and mm. sex and trafficking. So it kind Yay. of all, <laughs> right? It is so empowering though, that when you take a stand and you actually vocalize and you share your story, how you realize that at the end of it, we all have the same fears and oh, a lot of times we go through the same experiences. Yeah. Do you know, one of the funniest things, um, and I've talked about this quite a bit on the show before, one of the things that always really intrigued me was that when I started the podcast just over a year ago, late 2017, um, and I was, I obviously called it The Recovering Perfectionist, and then I changed my Facebook group to be called The Recovering Perfectionists, people just were coming out of the woodwork like, oh my God, that's so me. And as soon as you can kind of put your hand up and say, been there, done that, got the t-shirt, I've got the battle scars as well and it's shit sometimes and it doesn't work and but this is you know where I've come from and this is where you know we've gone to and all of that sort of thing that it really does hold space like without sounding ridiculous about it it really does hold space for other people to go oh and you can almost feel that relief and that like breath out to go oh my god me too 
thank goodness someone else gets it. And the fact that you can say I stuffed up or this is what happened and it was crap. Other people go, Oh my gosh, yes, me too. And it just holds that permission for other people to be able to sort of step into it as well. It's beautiful. So I love that. I totally feel, feel you where you're coming from with that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Cool. And it's true because it's women feel like they're in it alone. And then if they say something, they're going to be perceived as weak or that mm. something's wrong with them. But yeah. once they have their permission to show up and be them, like beautiful things happen because they're like, yeah. oh my gosh, they're like me. And then it's almost forms a sisterhood. And it is so empowering to be like, wait, what? I can be me and still be loved. And it's mm-hmm. just all the things that evolve and snowball from there is. Yeah. I love it. Oh, I've got goosebumps on my goosebumps. It's absolutely exactly, exactly what it is. And I, I really, I think women have this um, very unique opportunity and ability to do that for each other. And it, it doesn't take, it's kind of a snowball effect. So as soon as one person sort of puts their hand up, like look at the, everything that's happened with the Me Too campaign, like everything has just changed in the last few months since that's been a thing because it's held that space, it's opened the opportunity and it's made, it's given like a platform for people to, you know, wear the heart on their sleeve and actually come out and sort of talk about all of that sort of thing. So I think, you know, everything, obviously that's a super deep and, you know, massive thing, but right down to the littlest thing that says, you know what, I don't care if my kitchen's clean or I don't do my dishes every day. It leaves everyone else go, oh my God, me neither. I hate doing the dishes or something. So we don't all have to pretend like we live in these beautiful homes and, you know, we're all completely got our shit together and all that sort of thing. So mm-hmm. yeah, that's really cool. Awesome. Okay. So what I would love to chat about to start with, because I obviously, when uh, you and I started talking, it was, um, you were telling me about your amazing business and, you know, coaching women who are going through, as you said, um, tricky situations in relationships and that sort of thing. Um, And the interesting thing to me that you were saying was that the perfectionist had had a big, like your inner perfectionist had had a big impact on that. And we've talked a little bit about how perfectionism shows up in relationships as well as in the tough times in relationships to the external world and that sort of thing. So I'd love to just um, take a second to chat about that. And obviously you have been through it yourself and now in a beautiful way, you're able to help other women through that. So first of all, how do you, like if, if we say when you're actually in a relationship, in a um, a marriage or something like that. How do you think perfectionism impacts that relationship or the family unit or you know all of that sort of thing? Like a hundred percent on all levels. <laughs> yeah. And here's here's has been my experience is that as a girl, I mean, girls when they're young, they dream about one day when I'm married and my wedding's going to look like this and I'm going to have kids. And sometimes they're like, I don't want to have kids. But you know, from a young age, what you look forward to. And so then you evolve in the teenage and it's still in the back of your mind because you still want to be the princess or you still want to be that kind of person. And then as it goes on and on and on, and then you get married and then relationships is, it's like, oh, I should be doing more. I should, I mean, look at Pinterest, look at Instagram, look at all these people that have it all together and they have, I mean, look at their kids, their hair's not all crazy and their, their clothes are always clean. And (laughs) that kind of thing where you have a vision that we're always competing with someone who really isn't showing their true selves all the time. Mm. How many times on Facebook do we see, oh, they're always well put together and everything, look, they're always happy. And then you kind of like are harsh on yourself going, yeah. well, I'm not like them. And in a sense, we're comparing their apples to our oranges and going, well, how come we're not the same? 
And so then you strive to be more and more and more perfect or to control. This for me has been huge with perfectionism mm -hmm. is it's really an underlying fear of how we're going to feel when things don't go the way that we plan them to be in our head. Oh, for sure. Control is a massive part of it. And I mean, when I talk about perfectionism, I use it very interchangeably with being a people pleaser and a yes girl and all that sort of thing. But also we know that um, a lot of what we usually term perfectionism is actually avoidance. We're actually trying to avoid whatever it is that we're afraid of. Embarrassment, failure, looking stupid, all of that sort of thing. Um, but I think it's a really interesting point. So we talk a lot about body image and that sort of thing in regards to the media and social media and that sort of thing. But there's a there's such a bigger part of it. It's not just, you know, you look great or you've got nice clothes or your hair is always perfect. It's actually the whole implication that that has that you've got all of your shit together. You know, you follow any of these people on Instagram, they've got they've got it all. You know, and I'm anyone who's listening, I'm using air inverted commas here, they've got it all. They've got the gorgeous husband or the gorgeous partner. They've got the, you know, beautiful looking kids who are always dressed in their label things and there's no wheat dicks dribbled down the front like my kids have always got. Um, they've got the nice house, the nice car, they go on holidays, they go shopping, they buy things, they have great friends, they drink coffee and sip wine and all that sort of thing. Like it's not just about the look, it's about the story that we also have in our head. Like you said, we've got this story, this lifetime worth of stories. So you see one photo of them and you've got, you've got their entire story mapped out in your head. And unfortunately there's not, I mean, I think there's a big um, kind of movement and a bit of, bit of an uprising of people actually going, yeah, I've got my shit together, but also look at this mess over here in the corner. Um, yeah. you know, I think that's really beautiful, but there's definitely um, a, a tendency that we have to make up these stories about the worth and the I'm not, I'm not as good as that person for whatever reason. It's not just about looks. It's the whole perceived story that, you know, we kind of add to all of these things. So I think that's, that's a really, really big point. Absolutely. There's a woman that I actually met, we were having a conversation and we we're talking about social media and how she's using her personal page and stuff. And I said, so what do what kind of things do you post? Now, mind you, she sells cleaning products that are like all natural. And I said, you ever do like real life pictures? And she's like, oh, I could never do that. And I was like, because she's like, I don't want to come off salesy and this and that and the other. And I said, well, salesy. She goes, well, yeah, because then if people saw what it was like, and then I'm saying about my product and I'm like, but people can relate to that. Yeah. You ask them mothers, what are your concerns? Well, people don't want to talk about their concerns. I said, just because you don't talk about it doesn't mean it's not happening. And yeah. I think like when you're talking about the Me Too movement, that's a powerful thing that now we're opening up and having that conversation. Mm -hmm. And where I like to take it now is, okay, no, this is an issue. So what are we doing about it? Yeah. yeah. Taking action rather than just sitting in it. It's okay, this is an issue. How can we teach our daughters? Yeah. How can we talk to friends and give them permission to just be them and own their story for whatever it is? Yeah, beautiful. Um, okay, so in terms of um, the perfectionism in relationships and that sort of thing, when you get into a relationship or perhaps when things sort of start turning a bit sour and, and it's, you know, it's either inevitable or it's looking like it's going to be over or that sort of thing, how does perfectionism show up then? Like, is it a cover-up thing that you're sort of trying to just run around making everyone else happy and you forget to look after yourself? Is it um, about, you know, telling everyone else, the, telling the world that it's okay? Or is it really about denying to yourself? Or is it a bit of all of those things for different people, do you think? 
I think it's a combination. So I've seen two of the really, really like prevalent ones are one is uh, maintaining a facade of like, oh, we totally got it kept together. And that for me was the hardest thing to do when things were going on before we had filed for a divorce. Um, because we had, by everyone else's standards, the perfect family, yeah. the kids that are well-behaved, that some people are like, oh, your kids just came out that way. And it's like, really? I wish yeah. that was the case, but, <laughs> but that's, that's the perception that they had. Mm. And so it's, you're the perfect family. And so what's going on? And, and then it's, well, we're going to go to church together and we're still going to smile. And inside I'm like falling apart going, this isn't even me. Mm. Like this is my family. But if you only knew what was going on, but back then I didn't have the strength to break in the moment because I didn't want to have to be asked all the questions. Sure. And I didn't yeah. have the strength to be like, you know what, this is just what it is. And I don't need to answer any questions. I am who I am. We're having our experience. I wasn't to that point yet, which mm -hmm. I find that empowering now, helping women break that mold. The other thing is sometimes they hold on for too long, trying to make it perfect. Yeah. Um, trying to conform to however they think, if I just did this different, then it'd be better. If I just did this, and if I, it, sometimes it's not meant to be. You're, you're there to learn something mm -hmm. and then move on. But the letting go, mm -hmm. when you have this idea of this is what I committed to, and so I'm going to do it regardless because it needs to be perfect. No, there's power in being able to be you. Oh, for sure. And it's, it, it can be the most confronting because I think um, I've had this conversation with a lot of people before that when you, you have these opportunities throughout your life or your business or whatever it kind of applies to, to really sit and reassess your values. And I've always found, find this quite, it can be quite confronting because when you actually sit with it and you completely reconnect with your own values and what's really important to you, what happens next is that you realize where the gaps are and when there's gaps, you want to fill them and filling them might mean doing something that makes you really friggin' uncomfortable. Right. Um, and in relationships <laughs> especially. So if you have, um, if you, you know, you, you obviously go through life and you have all these things, you get married and kids and um, change jobs and move house and all that sort of thing. And that sometimes just kind of sits on top of values and the values are like, that's really important. But right now I can't focus on that. And when you get the time to actually, yeah, reconnect with that and then you go oh shit I haven't connected with that but it's really really important to me and I can't change I'm not changing that it's it's that's part of who I am and that sort of thing and you look around and go well that doesn't fit that doesn't fit that thing I do that thing that they do and the way that we do this thing that doesn't fit with me and I can't I can't go back to being okay with it or I can't go back to ignoring it then precipitates a thing that you have to do and that's scary as hell mm -hmm. it's really, well, really scary <laughs> So when, when that happens, that for, for me is like the perfect opportunity to say, what one step can I make in this moment to change? Mm. And it doesn't have to be big. It doesn't have to be like, okay, say for instance, let's just use say women around the house with the house being all crazy, right? Because <laughs> you know, perfectionists, it's like, oh, I see this and I have to do this. And this, you know, you're, you're so busy. It seems almost like putting out fires, trying yeah. to make it everything perfect, mm -hmm. but it's learning to be like, okay, you know, okay, if my core values, I want to be more present as a parent, I'm going to say, okay, kids, give me 10 minutes. This is what I'm going to focus on because after that, it's really important that I'm fully present with you guys. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's taking the step to get something to start the process, but to really save space and mm -hmm. communicate, this is my core value because then you're accountable.
Yeah. Okay, kids, well, later and later and later. And you know, kids, they never forget. And if that is like what your core value is, then this is what I'm making time for. Mm, Absolutely. Yeah, it's such a it's such a big one, isn't it? And I um the presence just funny that you brought that example up. I was just saying before we started recording that my son started school a few days ago. And so the weeks leading up to that was this super high charge, very emotional time for me because I was like it's the end of an era. Um, and I really was being so conscious about being even more present. I think I'm a fairly present parent most of the time. I definitely put my hand on my heart and say I don't get it right a lot of the time, but you know, it's definitely a really important thing to me. And exactly like you said actually um following through on that and that meant that I wasn't replying to emails and I wasn't you know on social media as much as I normally am and I wasn't as um connected to my tribe and my audience and that sort of thing I haven't put a podcast out for quite a while all that sort of thing but I had to get okay with it like there's certain things that I I'm really conscious about where I direct my my inner perfectionist I kind of talk about her like she's another person and you know, she's the girl who gets to clean the kitchen and she gets to make sure that the house looks all nice, but she doesn't get to come into my business anymore. She's not allowed to touch the computer um, because that's when I just, I go into complete meltdown, overwhelm, inaction, and nothing actually gets done. So my inner perfectionist is not allowed (laughs) in the business. The door gets shut on my office. Not that I have an office, but um, that's kind of the rule. So she gets to do the other things. But then in terms of that energy, like putting getting to stick to some sort of commitment through things like accountability and communication and all of that sort of thing, exactly what you've said to say to the kids, right, this week we're going to do blah, 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 blah. And they're all things that my, my, you know, my, you know, business brain is going, we don't have time for that. We have to send a newsletter. I'm like, I've just said it out loud. My kids, if no one else is going to, my kids are going to keep me accountable because I told them I'd take them to the park or to the pool or something like that. So that accountability and speaking it out loud cements the commitment, doesn't it? puts that energy somewhere else because then I go, well, my perfectionist is like, well, we've made a commitment now. We have to keep it. Don't we? <laughs> All right. So absolutely. Yeah. It's exactly. committing to something that you know, you would otherwise avoid yep. or put off till later. It's just, okay, I'm committed. Yeah. We're doing it. <laughs> totally. Love it. Awesome. All right. So moving on to, um, I'd like to kind of just go back a little bit to your story. So you went through a, a gross divorce and all of that sort of thing. Tell us what are some of the, uh, maybe a couple of the key things that you, you know, now teach and, and pe- things that, so say if we saw our friends going through this, what can we do to help them you know, um, get over that perfectionist thing of having to cover it all up and make it look like it's all happy families when actually there's some really awful shit going on? Um, and or if we are going through that ourselves, what are some of the things that we can do to actually be okay with moving through that with you know least amount of trauma to yourself and the people around you as possible to get over that sort of stuff? Mm-hmm. So a powerful thing is to ask. So tell me some highlights of your day. Don't ask how you're doing because perfectionist mode is, oh, I'm doing really good, mm-hmm. you know? With a smile, the bigger the smile, the more convincing it is, right? (laughs) And that applies for people actually going through it as well. It's what were the highlights of my day today? Mm. So when you're in it, it's it's honestly I I relate it to like a snow globe where you know you shake it and there's just stuff everywhere. Mm. And that's really what your world feels like is every sense of security that you had. I mean, when you get married 
married, you assume it's going to be forever and you're going to grow old together and, you know, raise a family or have some kind of life experiences together. Mm -hmm. And now suddenly you're like, I don't know financially where things are going to be. I don't know, you know, where are we going to live? What does this mean? Mm -hmm. I'm going through the internal stuff with the emotion, not knowing what's going on and what it's going to look like. And now if you have children, it's just magnified because now mm -hmm. the kids are wondering what is going to happen. And how much do you say? How much do you don't say? There's all of these things. Mm. And it's tapping into the one thing that it, if you can in the moment be like, hey, what were the highlights? Yeah. If that's something as simple as getting out of bed and taking a shower, like when you're amidst it, when it's like the darkest of darks, mm. that's an accomplishment. But if they're in a like, oh, my day was just horrible. Okay, that's why you don't ask, how was your day? Just what were the highlights? What were some highlights of your day? Mm. Um, the other thing, if you have a friend going through it, or if it's somebody, like if you're personally going through it, is to be like, you know what? I think you're pretty awesome, and I love it. Just hearing that, without an attachment that the person has to reply, or if you're the one looking in the mirror saying it, it gives yourself permission to be like, okay, you know, I may not feel like that, but there is hope. Yeah, that's something I can believe, and it's so meaningful. Okay, for say for you and I, I can say I've totally stalked. Is it stalking when you disclose you did it? I don't know. Totally lovingly stalking, gentle, okay. gentle, okay. non creepy stalking. Sure. <laughs> well, now that it's all out there, so I totally went and I stalked like your Instagram because I'm like, oh, she's so fun, and trying to get <laughs> the pictures and the story that goes along with it. Hmm. And if I was to be like, you know, you inspire me to be fully present. Mm -hmm. I don't have to know you. And for me, that is a true compliment. And how when you hear that, you're like, oh, oh, that, that, that makes me kind of feel good. Yeah. Like it's yeah. doing that to yourselves and really doing that to your friends, just yeah. holding space for them to be them and not say, oh, so how's the divorce? Because yeah. don't bring up the stuff that they already know. They don't know yeah. all the answers to right now. Yeah. Oh, I love it. Awesome advice. Thank you. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully not too many people going through it right now, but yeah, it's definitely a reality, unfortunately. So yeah, I think, I think the, um, the relationship thing, and we talk, we have talked a bit about, um, uh, we talk a lot about, we've had quite a few people on the show talking about perfectionism in terms of things like body image and, um, you know, self love and self care and all of that sort of thing. So it's really interesting to see sort of how it actually impacts um, in a relationship and in the breakdown of a relationship. So I think that's really, really, really interesting. And I'm, I know you've mentioned before, but I'm really interested to um, talk about that more kind of like the next step. So once it's, once the dust has settled and it's all said and done and you're kind of starting to get a bit of your identity back and, you know, work out what's important now and all of that sort of thing. How, how did it work for you in terms of all of that stuff happening and then, you know, you mentioned from the mess, you found the message and you found that um, empowerment for yourself and also now you're able to support other people. So how did that kind of translate into starting your own business? And what was that kind of process like? So that too was a hot mess. Do you see a theme? No, <laughs> with the perfectionism, because there was a lot of self-doubt mm. that I, I mean, I look around going, okay, well, my association and my belief surrounding what a coach, what a mentor looks like is you see people who've been doing it for 10 years, mm. who have like the amazing website and have a huge following and all of these different things. And so it was shifting. So this is something that I do when I'm working with clients is to shift 
one word is huge. If you go from why to how. Mm. So why keeps people stuck? Why did this happen? Why does this? Why la la la? Why, why, why am I doing this? Why? And so you have this like continuous cycle, but it's, it's how. How am I going to do this? Mm. How am I, what, what do I want to do? How do I want to put myself out there? In which way do I want to serve? And so it's like, okay, first step, okay, let's get a business license, you know? And then of course, perfectionists are like, well, we've got to come up with the best name. Yeah. And so I kind of, for, for like branding and amazing logo and all the colors. Yes. <laughs> yes. And finally I reached out to a friend and they're like, why are you overanalyzing this? It doesn't have to be perfect. And so it was like that day I actually got on a call with a bunch of friends and I'm like, Hey, here's my vision. What am I? And they're just like, really? And like within five minutes, boom, here it is. Yeah. And we're like, Whoa! but, but just breaking through going, okay. And then the, this is the next step and really just breaking it step by step. Mm-hmm. That that's how the business you're not going to be overnight success. Is it possible? I'm sure it is, but for something that's going to be sustainable, mm-hmm. it's taking one step at a time and breaking it down into bite-sized pieces um, and letting go of it needing to be perfect right now because yeah. the journey is perfect. That is the masterpiece is in the journey oh, is the little milestones that when you look back going six months ago, I was scared to take action and look how far I've come in yeah. six months. You know how that goes. My own heart completely. I'm definitely a big fan of breaking it down and, you know, making it into bite-sized pieces because I know it can feel so overwhelming when you think you've just got to start a business, you've got to come up with a name, get a logo, get a website, get your social media, work out your messaging, work out how you're going to blog. Like there's a million different things and traditional business startup courses teach all of that stuff. And it is overwhelming and it's crazy and it's completely friggin' unrealistic. And it kind of makes me a bit cranky when I see things like that actually, because it's for, for most people, unless you've got heaps and heaps of money and heaps and heaps of time and zero else going on in your life. Ha ha ha. Um, right. It's not actually attainable. Like it's not, you, no one has that much money and that much time to just get it all completely schmick and perfect from the start but also you know in the first couple of years I worked with a heap of people and my perfectionist was like oh my gosh why didn't I have this at the start I wish I'd known this person when I first started I wish I'd paid the money for this when I first started but then you know five minutes later I'm like actually it would have been completely pointless because the like you said the journey and I'm not a huge fan of the word journey but it's totally the only way to to talk about it really but that whole process of startup and trial and error is what actually makes you successful without going through that process you can't work out who you want to work with so mm-hmm. you know working with someone to work out your perfect client avatar or something like that is there's no point doing it to start up with because you haven't tried it out like I when I first started I thought I wanted to work with um, women who were mums and hadn't yet started their business and want and were, had an idea and they wanted to start it up And then I started working with a few people and I still like working with those women, but I love working with women who are in slightly more established business and they kind of gotten to the point where they've helped themselves as much as they can and now they need a bit more support or whatever. But I didn't know that at the start. And if I'd gone and done, you know, spent millions on on working out a specific funnel for those people or specific services or all of the core messaging or, you know, I'd called myself the, I don't know, the pre-startup coach or something like that I would have wasted all that money because I would have either felt like I had to pigeonhole myself and stay there when it wasn't actually what you know my zone of genius 
or I would have left it and then I would have spent all that money for nothing anyway. So it's yeah. kind of like which comes first, the chicken or the egg? It's kind of like you've just got to be brave enough to go, yeah, I'm good at this and this is what I'm going to start off with and just follow your nose and see where it goes. Fail yeah. fast, learn the lesson, move on. Do some things really well, work out if you love to do it, keep doing it if you do, you know, and it's, it's almost as simple as that, as simple as that. But I say it like, yeah, just do that. It's totally easy. And I, I talk about um, hashtag trust the process, one of my favorites. And uh-huh. it's, it's almost like um, an oxymoron because I want to say just trust the process, but actually to trust the process, you have to do the process to trust the process. Uh-huh. So, you know, it's kind of a thing. <laughs> You've kind of got to go through it yourself to work out what your process is. <laughs> exactly. Is to trust yourself. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Because when we get in it, especially perfectionist, and of course everyone listening knows, <laughs> we're waiting for it to be perfect. And sometimes we get so, it's almost like paralysis by analysis mm. because we're so like, well, what if this happens? And what if this happens? And it's, it's just, sometimes you're not going to know. You still take action. Yeah. And you just say, well, there's two things that come up. One, you get to own that you're not perfect and be like, all right. Sometimes I'm just going along as it is and reaching out to people who may be able to minimize the (laughs) trial and error along the way. But that would first mean take ownership that you're not perfect and be like, hey, here's my vision. Give me your insight. The other thing is to say, you know what? I might change my mind along the way and that's okay. And that's okay. Yeah. I give myself permission to change my mind. Absolutely. And there's power in that. Yep. Absolutely. Oh, just I love it. And being like, you know, I changed my mind because I'm feeling more drawn to this. Yeah. And it's yeah. because we all evolve as people. We're not the same people we were even, you know, a year ago, five years ago. Yeah. You're the same person, but you have totally evolved. And where you're going 10 years from now with your business may be completely different. I'm sure it will be. I'm completely positive it will be. Um, and so tell me, just to wrap it up, how... Like looking back on it retrospectively now, what with the divorce and all of the yucky stuff has obviously come this amazing, you know, business of yours and and the work that you do that's super important now. So how how do you think the divorce impacted where you're at now in a positive way? Like looking at it, it, was it something that kind of always needed to happen so that you could step into this space or was it like how, how, just looking back on it, what's your kind of bird's eye view of everything? Um, I am a firm believer that we are perfectly prepared for specific moments in our life. Mm. And had I not had that experience, I knew people who got divorced. My parents got divorced. So it would be easy to be like, oh, this is what it's like when you, you know, experience it when your parents do it. Or if you have a friend who did. Or, but going through it, when women reach out to me and they say, you would not believe, and they sputter off, and I kind of know my head, and I'm like, yeah. And I said, it's hard. But you don't understand. And I was like, but I do. But I do. <laughs> Had I not experienced that, I think it gives me, um, because I have experienced it, I have a different level of empathy for people mm. that I can hold space for them to have their own experience. But I also provide them a form of hope that mm. someday it does get better, that they don't have to stay forever. Yeah. So it's like business. You just, you keep going and you know, someday like that big vision that you had, you're, you're going to get there. Yeah, it might look slightly different, but it's exactly the same. Sort of thing, right? Yeah, no, I know what you mean. And I think um, you know, I'm, I'm kind of getting into the law of attraction and all of that sort of thing. And I think it's absolutely, it just blows my mind every time 
exactly what you just said in terms of you're always ready for a specific moment. And, you know, I think when you're really kind of open to that, that you can start wondering, why is this happening? Or why did I, why did, you know, you watch a movie sometimes and there's one part of the movie that's not even really part of the movie. It's like a throwaway line or something that someone said in the shops that for some reason has hit the point and it's just stayed with you. And there's a reason for that. You might not know what it is at the time, but you've kind of got to trust trust that that's happened for a reason and you know just like gather gather a little basket of all these little goodies that at some point is going to you know show itself about why why it showed it to you or why it was relevant at any sort of point in time so I think that's um yeah really important really really cool message absolutely and your basket analogy I love that I've actually done it in some of my speaking (laughs) presentations I talk about how it's almost like you collect these little rocks and you're carrying them around and part of the process of empowering yourself is learning to let go of the rocks that don't serve you mm-hmm. and acknowledging it, being like, you know what, this is part of my journey, but I don't have to care. It's not my responsibility yeah. and it's no longer my story and being able to drop it and pick up new ones along the way. So mm. I love it. I've literally spent most of this conversation with goosebumps on my goosebumps because it's just so much of it. I totally, <laughs> I just totally love it. It's exactly aligned to exactly what we talk about. So um, that has been such an amazing chat with you. I'm sure we could sit here and talk for hours and hours, but um, for anyone who wants to get in touch with you or learn more or connect with you, what's the best place for them to do that? So you can find my website at uplevelcoaching.com. And if you search uplevel coaching on well, Instagram, see, I to practice being better. I kind of let that go because my primary focus was on presenting and doing other things mm-hmm. that were live. So Instagram, um, YouTube, I have a YouTube channel, just search Up Level Coaching or Up Level Coaching on Facebook. Right. Awesome. And all of those links will be in show notes as well. Um, to wrap up, what are your top three kind of takeaways? What are the things that you want everyone listening to get, understand, know about the perfectionist in the relationships and the perfectionist in um, your own self-worth and in starting a business and all of that sort of thing? What are, what are your top three gems? Top three gems. So the first one is to trust your gut. And as soon as you get that gut, just make the decision, make the commitment. Mm-hmm. Because if we go, I kind of feel, and then, and then, you know, and then you start planning all the different scenarios and then you try to weigh which one's going to be the best outcome and all that other, just, this is my gut. Boom. This is my action. And make that commitment. You're laughing because you're telling me. I'm just like, oh my gosh. (laughs) I've been peeking on, you know, I'm just, it's so true though. Like it's that, um, learning to be okay with not having a B, you know, plan B, D, you know, C, D through G. Just learning that you will be okay and letting go. Mm. Uh, the other thing is giving yourself permission. Always yeah. giving yourself permission, regardless of what that looks like. If you're angry, be like, you know what? I'm angry right now. And acknowledge it because once you actually acknowledge it and then say, you know, that's not really working for me or I don't want to be angry, you can let it go. But give it a voice instead yeah. of trying to suppress it to be like, oh, but I've got to be happy. Just I'm really angry right now. And be like, yeah. and that feel good to say it. And yeah. then move on. The permission for the feelings. Now, this is a whole other podcast, but we've talked a lot about um, giving yourself permission to feel the things like anger, sadness, disappointment, and that sort of thing. And, that, you know, as I said, that's a whole other thing, but it's definitely something that um, is a massive part of women and women who, you know, identify as perfectionists or recovering perfectionists or whatever, because 
when probably when we were kids and throughout our life, life it's, it's not been very attractive or it's not been a nice thing to be angry. So we just go, oh, I'm feeling angry. I don't know what to do with it anymore. And oh, I'm just going to put a smile on and call it happiness or something, call it excited, <laughs> something yeah. like that. So, yeah, I think it's a massive part of exactly, you know, everything that you've talked about is to actually acknowledge and let yourself feel those feelings and, um, you know, find your posse, find your, find your tribe, find someone who will be there for you you know, who doesn't judge and doesn't ask the, so how's the divorce going questions all the time? Like they're actually just, you know, making sure that you're cool and all that sort of thing. So I love it. I've absolutely loved chatting with you. I'm so glad that we connected. Thank you so much for coming on the show, Julia. Well, thank you for having me. It was great to chat. I will talk to you again very soon, I'm sure. Sounds good. Okay, bye. <laughs> bye.